May all grace, mercy, and peace come to each of you today in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You ever walked into a room and forgot why you went in there? Yeah, I start that off this morning because I've been doing that more and more recently, and I hear it just gets worse as you get older. Um, typically, when you're walking in to, to find something, you've gotten distracted by it, right? And, and you forgot why you went in there to, to, and what it was you were seeking. For me, these right here are what I seek the most. Ask my wife. She'll tell you, yeah, we need to put a tracking device in your glasses. Because I go set them down somewhere. And then I go in to look for them. I set off to look for them. And I forgot why I went looking for them. Now, what's worse, for me at least, is that when the thing that distracted you, that caused you to forget what you were looking for, is when you forget what distracted you. <laughs> that makes it even worse. So, but think about this for a moment. What is it we're, we're looking for in life? I would argue that most of our life is spent searching for something, right? Whatever that is. Maybe it's information. Maybe it's wealth, possessions. doesn't matter. But, but why? What, what is it we're seeking? I would argue that maybe all those things that we seek in life boils down to one thing. Happiness. We think that those things can bring us happiness, but what we really forget is that those things are all fleeting. You're only going to have a temporary happiness at that. And why is it that we seek happiness? Because at the core of that is identity. Humans, every human being wants to be recognized. We want to know that we have value. We want to know that we've been found and have been discovered uh, in our lives. And so we seek those things to bring us identity and security. Um, and we, we, we look for those things that fill this void. But the seeking of happiness and security in our lives today is not just unique to us. This is a fundamental human issue all throughout history. So today, we find out that Jesus sets out on a journey. What is it that Jesus is seeking? Is He seeking anything? Well, this journey isn't just a, a treasure hunt. It's not just an ordinary journey in life. This is a journey towards the cross. As Jesus sets out, he encounters a rich young ruler. Now, Mark tells us that this is a rich young man. So does Matthew, but Luke tells us it's a rich young ruler. So we're going to use that, rich young ruler. And this rich young ruler runs up and kneels down before Jesus and poses this question. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life. On the surface, it looks like this young man or this rich young ruler is well-intentioned. What must I do, Father, to inherit eternal life? Why does he call him good teacher? Maybe he's the teacher's pet. Does he butter him up for a favor or something? Jesus knows. Jesus even calls him out. Why do you call me good? No one's good except God alone. And Jesus starts leading this rich young ruler to a a deeper understanding. And he says this, you know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your mother and your father. Now this is interesting. This caused me to pause. Notice what commandments Jesus is calling this young man out on right here. Or maybe I should ask you, what commandments did Jesus leave out? These are all commandments that deal with how we deal with one another, right? What are the commandments that he left out? The first three, right? The ones that deal 
with God. Keep that in the back of your minds for a minute. We're going to come back to that. This young man says, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. Now this might tell you something about this rich young ruler. Maybe he was a ruler of the synagogue. We certainly know he was not a Christian at this point. He's Jewish. What's that mean? It means that that's what they're used to, right? This is what they follow, keeping those commandments. I've done all those things. I'm a good person, Jesus. What must I do? Why would this rich young ruler reach out to Jesus in this manner? Because he's looking for validation. He's looking for security. He's looking for identity. I'm probably sure he's looking for Jesus to say, yep, you've done all the right things. Check those boxes off. Live a good life here in this world. But that's not what Jesus does, is it? Mark tells us that Jesus looked at this man and loved him. I find that interesting. He looked at him. He loved him because he had compassion on him. Like he, he's going, well, his understanding is all wrong. And because Jesus loved this man, he says to him the hard thing that he must say. You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Wow. That's a powerful verse. Yet it's so misunderstood. You ever wonder why you never see this as somebody's confirmation verse? <laughs> you ever notice that you don't see these on the back of bumper stickers? Why? Because it's confrontational. It hits right here at home. Jesus, you're telling me to go give all the way I have? You're telling me to sell my house and my cars and get rid of my clothes and give away my food? Why? But then I'm going to become the, the poor person, aren't I? You know, we struggle with that. We struggle with this verse. But is that really what Jesus is saying here? I don't know. A couple weeks ago, we talked about this in our Sunday morning Bible study. This came up, but it came up in, in the realm of Luke 16, in that verse that, that man cannot serve both God and money. And it was really good discussion it because it, it caused us to, to stop and think about that for a moment. You know, we, 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 we need money to survive. We need food to, to sustain us. We need these things. And we always worry that we don't have enough of it. We need money to fix our AC units and <laughs> to paint the rooms, our classrooms here at the church, and to take care of things. We need money for ourselves, but we need money for God's kingdom as well. And so what's it all boiled down to? What is Jesus really telling us to do here? It comes down to one thing, folks. It's the thing that we struggle with on a daily basis. Trust. The trust that God is going to meet all of our needs. That God is going to provide for us. And here's what that comes down to. Yeah, we say that God's going to provide for us, but you know what? It probably ain't going to look like we expect it to look. God, give us, give us our daily bread. Well, we want that to look like what? That my pantry's always stocked. That my things are always being fixed. And that I've got enough money in the bank account that I feel comfortable. Trust. Jesus is saying, no, those things don't get you into heaven. You don't do a good enough good acts to get in there. 
go give it all away. Follow me and live in my ways. And trust that I'm going to meet your needs. That's what it comes down to. He's pointing out to this rich young man and to us that the things that we have are not only to our benefit, but to the benefit of his kingdom. Someone once said, too often we spend all of our time seeking God for answers to our problems rather than just seeking God. But what does just seeking God really mean? Well, for the rich young ruler, seeking God meant seeking confirmation that he, the rich young ruler, had security in his wealth and in all the good works and keeping the commandments. But what happened to him once he got the response from Jesus? He was anything but happy. He went away sorrowful and disheartened because he had great possessions. The Old Testament prophet Amos tells us that that God says, Seek me out and live, but do not seek Bethel. Do not enter Gilgal or cross over to Beersheba. For Gilgal shall surely go into exile, and Bethel shall come to nothing. There was a lot of false worship that was happening there. People who claimed that they had God with them, but were doing anything but. Seeking God means what then? It means seeking His ways. To live in the way that He modeled for us. It's seeking His peace and His joy and trusting that God will meet, will supply us with all that we need, including wisdom and strength and capability to do His work. And that doesn't just happen here in this sanctuary or on the grounds of Ascension Lutheran, or even on the grounds of Lutheran Haven. (laughs) It happens in our neighborhoods and in our schools. It happens in the grocery stores and every part of our lives. And it's a work that's not self-serving. The life of a disciple means hard, difficult things at times. Notice what Jesus tells the rich, young ruler and us. Give to the poor. He didn't say give all your money to the church. He didn't say hoard it for yourselves and donate it to your alma mater when you pass away. He's talking about social issues here. He's also saying that the life of a disciple means sharing in the burdens and the hardships of others. That's a hard thing to do. And so when he tells the rich young ruler to go give his stuff away, he's saying, use that stuff to help others out. Advance the gospel in the kingdom. Share the peace and the joy that I give you. How hard is that for us sometimes, though? Because we let those those tangible aspects rule our lives instead of letting Jesus rule our lives with our things. It's interesting, because Jesus will go on to say in verses 24 and 25, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And... Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom. It's hard because we live with one foot in this broken world and one foot in the world that is yet to come in the hope and the promise of salvation. And Jesus makes no moans about how difficult this life is for his people and for him. Truly, I say to you, there is no one, no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands, with persecutions. 
and in the age to come, eternal life. So why is wealth such a sticky subject? Why is it hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God? Because it's temptation to believe that we can be self-sufficient and self-reliant and upon our own ability to accumulate wealth and hoard it. Perhaps we're desensitized to the plights and the needs of other people in this world because we're so wrapped up in our own security. It could be any number of things, but only one thing is certain. And that's that apart from God, security is tenuous at best. We don't have anything. We truly lack happiness and have no life. But with God, Jesus tells us that nothing is impossible. And true happiness only lies with Him. Remember what I said at the beginning? Uh, that Jesus only stated the commandments that dealt with how we deal with one another and not the first three? Perhaps we should return to those. There's a reason why God starts with those first three commandments and the Ten Commandments. We need to return to those, not, not as a means to an end, not as if we can keep them perfectly to get to heaven, but to remind us that seeking God means seeking His life, seeking His ways, honoring Him by doing what Christ modeled for us. Happiness and security are only experienced in our relationship with our Lord. Christ Jesus, who journeyed through pain and suffering and death on a cross and to hell, and who overcame those things so that we can enter into heaven. Christ enters into the gaps in our lives, the bridge, the sorrowful to happiness, making the poor rich, healing the broken and making the sick well. And guess what? As baptized children of God, we were not only made well and given security in the promise of salvation, but we're connected to true happiness. Through the Holy Spirit who leads us to flow forth love and charity, joyfully spreading happiness to a sorrowful world. Yeah, and yeah, we're going to lose sight of what happiness truly is at times in our lives, but God never loses sight of us. We may or may not have great possessions in this life, but we have the greatest possession ever in eternal life, having been sought and found by God. My friends, being found by Him is the best happiness you can ever have. To God be all the glory. Amen.